on, let it rain. Have you guys been blessed already? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. What a blessing just to... Somebody asked me on the front door today when I, when I was coming. He goes, uh, the, when you, the mirror of your house was, was, was fogged, can you, you fog the mirror today? And I'm thinking, no. <laughs> I said, no. And he goes, you know what that means? I said, no. And he goes, you're still alive. <laughs> so if you're still breathing, you're still alive. You are alive. If you are breathing, you are alive today. So thank you, Jesus. Let's say a, a, a quick prayer. And uh, as, as we pray, go to Psalm 15. That's the psalm that we read every Sunday. So let's read it because we are not there yet. So, Father, we thank you. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Thank you, thank you that you have called us. And today we're here to say yes to your call. Thank you, Father. Let this word transform our lives. Let this word change our way of the way we think or the way we do things. But help us to be obedient. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We know that we already made an invitation of those who are watching a live stream, Facebook, whatever the technology we have up there. So we welcome you. We would love to give you a physical hug, hug though. Right, Pastor? We are, where's Miss Adi? We are the hug. We hug people here. So you can watch from over there, but we invite you to be part of the body of Christ. I always believe that. I always believe that we are a gift to the body. We are a gift to the body of Christ. God, Jesus himself, pay a price. And because of that, you don't belong to yourself any longer. You belong to the body. I was sitting where my brother Bishop is sitting here way, way, way back when, when I, I was just a baby Christian. I had no idea what to make of myself at the time. So I was sitting right there, brother, and Pastor Steve at the time, there was uh, uh, one of our senior pastors, was going to preach. Somebody came and touched my shoulder. It was, I always remember his face. It was a man with a beard. And uh, he went like this because Pastor was just going to stop preaching, so he kind of just went like this to me. So I walked with him to the, to the front. And uh, he says to me, I was praying, I need prayer. And I was praying the Lord would show me somebody, somebody who can pray for me, and it's you. I'm thinking to myself, out of all these people, it's got to be me? <laughs> I didn't even know how to pray. <laughs> and uh, I, I, if he told me, I have no clue what he says because I don't remember I just remember praying for him, and this man started crying in the lobby. And he says to me, you have no idea. You have changed my life. No clue. What happened if I would be here that day? I don't know. The Lord probably could use somebody else, but that day I was here for that reason. So you have no clue the person that you're going to touch when you come to the church because we are part of the body. So that's why I think we, it's good to understand that to come to church is not just to come to receive or to hear. Sometimes you're here because God wants to use you to give something, to help something, to help somebody that you have no clue that that's what you're here for. So let's go to Psalm 15 quickly. Uh, it says, Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary? Who may live in your holy hill? He whose walk is blameless and who... And 
who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from his heart and has no slander in his tongue, who does his neighbors no wrong and casts no slur on his fellow men, who despises a vile man but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps his oath even when it hurts, who lends his money without usury and does not accept a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things will never be shaken. Thank you, Jesus. So today, I, I know that as I, um, I guess, sometimes we, we, we come on Father's Day or Mother's Day and things like that, we expect to hear a message, um, the son, the prodigal son who left and his father was fasting and praying and he's waiting for him and here he comes, the son, and oh, hallelujah, praise the Lord. The son came. <laughs> Maybe it's a little bit different today, so I know that, that we're running basically out of time, but I, I kind of just probably go with stories a little bit. Um, did you ever been on a trip, uh, or maybe, I don't know how many of you have been in a, in a, going on a trip, on a mission trip with Pastor Tom? We, you know, we talk about the heart of the Father. Even though you have traveled probably more than what we have, but if you go on a trip with Pastor Tom, Pastor Tom is going to make sure that your passport is current. That you have the, the things that you need. You got to go through prayer ministry. You got to go through all these things that you need to go through to be able to go to a mission field because you know the danger that is up there. Some people maybe don't like it because you say, who do you think I am? I know all these things. I know you do, but I had to make sure that you know. Because I am leading this thing and not the Father. I am protecting you. And I need to let you know that this is the way it is. And this is the way it's going to be. And if you don't want to be this way, you're probably not going to make the team. <laughs> Even though you've been there 10 times. But this is the way it is. But it's the heart of the Father. It's nothing else. It's, it's, not, it's not being, hey, hand you here, or uh, you're going to do what I say. No, it is really a heart, the heart of the Father to protect the people, to protect his people. And, and that's what we're kind of going to look into what we, what we have today. It is the heart of the Father. It's nothing else. It's not, it's not that God doesn't love you. It's not that God doesn't you know, want to punish you or do anything. It is really that God is saying, listen, I want you to be aware, and you have to have the right equipment. I heard this person that goes mount climbing, whatever, these big things. They start with a lot of things, carrying a lot of stuff, sneakers and things. But as you approaching the mountain, as you're getting closer and closer, you'll find out you have a lot of stuff that you don't need. <laughs> and you're going to have to start letting those things behind because you cannot carry those up the mountain. Sometimes those mountain climbers, by the time they got in the mountain up there, they have very little. They have ropes and, and hanging things, whatever. But they don't, you know, they change the sneakers to, to boots. And you have to be actually sharing some things and leaving it behind because if you continue with those stuff, you are not going to make it. And that's what God's saying to us. You carry a lot of things and you have a lot of stuff on you that you don't need it. You're going to have to let it go. You have to put it down because you're going to need, you have to dress a little bit differently as you approach the top, as you're going up. 
I believe that our church is there. I, I believe that our church is in the verge of going up to the top. But we're going to have to share in some things. We're going to have to start letting things behind. Amen? Line the low because you cannot carry that up the mountain. And, and I have my own low and I cannot help you with yours. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> I have my own thing. So <laughs> make sure that you listen to the father, or to the leader, because I have my own things and I'm not going to carry yours. Thank you, Jesus. Amen? So we're going to go quickly to another uh, example. <laughs> um, if you're going to... You have a, you're a father, and you have a boat, and you're going to take your children fishing, let's say. You have 10-year-old, and sometimes those kids, when they start reaching that age of teenagers, they kind of know more than we do, or at least that's what they think. <laughs> I'm sorry if teenagers are here. I'm not, I'm not picking on you today, okay? I'm coming from a father's. We know that a lot of time, if you need, somebody told me, if you need to know something, ask a teenager while they know everything. <laughs> yeah, if you need to know something, just ask a teenager. They know everything. So, but if you're going to go fishing and you have those kids and you're going to go fishing, most likely the night before, you check your boat. Make sure there is no hole in the boat because you're taking your family. You make sure that you're going to prepare everything that you need. You're going to have lifesavers and things so that you, when you go in the boat, you're going to tell those children, you got to put this on. And why is that? Because the ocean, you can be in the ocean, and at and, and any given time, they can get rough. So if, by the, if you get in the ocean, and then you start looking for the life, be, life vest, and trying to find it where they are, and if they fit or they don't fit, if the strap are working or they're not working, you're probably in trouble. If something happened there, you probably would drown. So why the father cares so much about the children putting the life vest and make sure everything is strapped together, everything, is, everything fits, because in any given moment, life can happen. Amen? And that's the reason God is telling us, be ready. Be ready. So the title of the message today is, what is the condition of your heart? What is the condition of your heart? And that's the father's. The father is saying to you, what is the condition of your heart? If, I'm, if, I, if I have a teenager and we're going somewhere and or we're going fishing and he says, I have my life as I said, let me see it. Make sure that it fits you. Make sure the strap works. Make sure that you have it on. So you're going to have to, you, you make sure that this is, that this is, he has the right side or it's, it's going to work. So God is saying to you, because we are on a journey, we are going up the mountain, and he says to you, what is the condition of your heart? You know if you have a heart issues, you cannot climb a mountain. If you have a problem with your heart, <laughs> there's no way to do it. Because you start losing oxygen, and by the time you're halfway there, you're done. So we have to have the heart is right. We have to have the, our heart has got to be right. So what is the condition of your heart? Let's, let's go to Luke 8, 4 through 18. And remember, this is a Father's Day. It's a message from the Father telling us, basically, listen, you are in a journey or you are about to, to take a journey that we need to make sure that you are right. It says, while a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told his parable, this parable. 
a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was gathering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate him up. Some fell on the rock, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on the good soil, and it came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When, the disciple, when he said this, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. His disciples asked him what this parable mean. He said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing may, they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The sea is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on the good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. And he goes right away into a Another example, he says, no one lights a lamp and hides it on the jar or puts it under the bed. Instead, he puts it on the stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that would, be, that, that would not be disclosed and nothing concealed that would not be known or, or brought out into the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what, the, what he thinks he has, will be taken from him. Jesus, help us. So the first thing that you, that you gotta, we have to understand, that this is a parable. What is a parable? A parable is something in the natural or something that, that the law was used very, very effective. It was something in the natural so that you can understand the spiritual side because we are human beings. We, we operate basically in the natural. We have to see natural things in order for us to really be able to get it, to grasp what, what the kingdom of God was, the spiritual side of things. So Jesus is using this parable, and he uses for 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 few few reasons or purpose. So the first thing we understand that this is a parable or is something in the natural so that we can be able to see or communicate a spirit. Jesus was using it to communicate a spiritual truth. But he was forcing his followers to think deeply and discern through their own experience or learning what he was teaching. He was forcing the people to, to start thinking deeply. Not just feed me, feed me, feed me, and... Like they say, you, you can't give a fish to a person. You've got to teach him how to, how to go fishing. <laughs> well, something like that, right? So, 
So Jesus, Jesus is saying all these things, make, making them to start thinking for themselves. And God wants you and I and everybody here to start thinking about your, for yourself. Don't, go, don't, don't wait on Pastor Tom or Pastor Willie or whoever leaders of the church to think for you. He wants you to think for yourself, to learn for yourself, listen to what the Spirit is saying, and start learning. Because Pastor Tom is not always going to be there. A leader cannot always going to be beside you. A father or mother cannot always be next to you for the youth. You, you have to learn for yourself and see the word up there. Learn from your parents what they're telling you or what they're showing you because they cannot always be there for you. I always, I used to tell my kids, I can build a ladder for you and then maybe I can climb up the first step. After that, it's all yours. <laughs> I cannot go to college for you. You need to go to college. You need to do the studies. Amen? So we, 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 we make the first move but after that is yours. So here's Jesus telling all these things so that they, they, they have to think for themselves. He was trying to make his followers to look into themselves and to look into their own hearts. You need to, uh, we ourselves need to look into my, myself. I got to look at myself and look at my heart. Look, in, look into me and see what it is that I'm doing, or why am I doing it, or what is the reason? So you got to look into your heart. He, Jesus, was not interested in how many people will follow him. Jesus was not interested in, in, in seeing so many people following him. He was not even impressed with the multitude of people. He wasn't. Jesus is not interested that you come on church every Sunday. Maybe we are. <laughs> I mean, we love to see the church packed and many people here and worship. But I'm going to tell you something. Jesus is not so interested that you come and sit in church on Sunday or that you read the word or you might pray for some people. You know why his interest? His interest in the spiritual conditions of your heart. That's it. Yes, it's good to come to church. It's definitely wonderful that we come together as a family and we worship together. That it was all about. I told you from the beginning, you don't belong to yourself. Jesus Christ paid a price for you so that you can be a gift to the body. So that you can be a gift. But I'm telling you, if you come to church on Sunday, you sit here and you raise your hands and you look so good, but you're not so good to the Lord, he says you are here for nothing. Because I'm interested in your heart, not your presence in the church. Amen? You, so, you guys agree with me? And those who are watching me up there? <laughs> Amen. He is interested in your heart. What did Matthew 15, 8 says? 15, it may, I think my wife wrote it down and, uh, on the outline there. So if you don't have it, just write it down because we're going to have to go a little quickly. The time is out. So in Matthew 15... Jesus says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. 
These people, they only worship me with the lips. I'm not saying, I'm not telling you that this is who we are. I'm just telling you that God is saying to ourselves, to, to his body, to the people that come to church, or the people who profess to be believers, that we better worship him in the spirit and in truth. That you better do it with your heart. If your heart is not right, you got to ask the Lord. Lord, you know, sometimes people serve, and they grumble more than serving. <laughs> they complain more than what they, 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 they should, you know, whatever they do. So I think probably you're in the wrong place. <laughs> I mean, I always say to people, listen, if God create everything for you to enjoy, it's not one thing in the world that God, for his children, that God did not give you so that you can enjoy it. Don't, it doesn't matter what it is. If you're doing something and you're not really enjoying it and doing it for the Lord, you're doing the wrong thing because you have to enjoy it. You have to really love it. You love it. I, I, the day that I gave my life to Christ and, and, and he changed my whole life from that moment, I, I don't know how. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm always being a little bit weird, I guess a little bit different than a lot of people. Not too many. <laughs> Pastor Thompson, he affirmed, he said, yes, it's true. <laughs> not, too much, not, not too much stuff st sticks on me. You know, I was telling my brother, you know, this morning, I said, you know, you, we're living in a world that if, if, if you, I mean, things are going to stuck on you. If you. But why? If something sticks on me, it is because I attract something from that. If you see a dark if, if you see a duck it, when it's raining, he can stand in that rain, man, and you don't see a drop stuck in that duck. If the anointing of the Lord, if the, if the, of the Holy Spirit is seeing you, I don't care what somebody say, it's not going to stuck on me. I'm sorry. I didn't lose my hair because of that. <laughs> no. Believe me, so this is, this is why God is looking for people to stand in this world and make it different. The thing is going to happen. People is going to talk about you. People is going to push you in the wrong direction. People is going to try to do all kinds of things. But it always depends on your reaction. Because if you react like them, you're not different than them. The reason we're here is so that we can be different and the whole world can see Jesus in you. So when somebody rubs you the wrong way, thank the Lord. Because either he is showing you something that needs to change in your life, or he needs you to represent him right in that moment. If you got offended for something, that means something in you needs to change. Something in you have to change. It's not the person. It's not what they say or what they did. It is because God is saying, you haven't changed yet. And I allow... I allow this to happen. It can be, it could be from a brother or a sister. <laughs> Sometimes God used one of us to rub us in the room the way we don't like it. <laughs> but hey, thank you, Jesus. So how, how do we find the root? How do we go back? How do we pull this thing out? Too many Christians are just, just uh, trimming, trimming the situation. And, you know, it's like an onion. You always, if you cut, if you see an onion and you just cut the thing, next time that thing is going to grow not two, but maybe three. So don't trim. You have to dig it out. You have to bring it out, pull it out completely, because otherwise it will grow again. 
it will come back. So we need to go back to the root. And, and the, quickly, we're going to go to Genesis 11. Because I want you to see two verses and why some things happen in our life. And the words was, or the title of the message was, is, what is the condition of your heart? The condition of your heart. We got to go way, way back. We know that when Adam sinned, he's, he hid from God. That is the condition of the heart. Many times when you do something wrong, the first thing we do is, is, is leave the church or hide or try to cover it up. Oh, I didn't do that. Oh, it wasn't me. Oh. So it is the condition of the heart. It's not necessarily that you, that you don't want to. You don't want to tell anybody. It is the condition. But we're going to look at Genesis 11. Something that I want you to see. And two verses here who really, when I was getting ready for this, um, it just, these two verses kind of touched me, kind of got me a little bit. So we're living in a time that if you're not careful, these two verses in Genesis 11 can affect your life. Watch this one. The, 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 the first verse that we're going to read is verse 5. Chapter 11, Genesis chapter 11, verse 5. It says, But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that God was building. That's what it says. Man was building. Anything that you build without the permission of God, believe me, it would be good for nothing. And you can think of anything you want to think. Anything that you build. But we go like in the things that comes in the natural. Marriages, marriage, business, ministries, anything that you do without the permission of the Lord, it will be good for nothing. It will bring such a chaotic things in your life. You get so messed up after a few years that you didn't even know how to get out of it. And sometimes all kinds of crazy things start to happening. Because you're building a structure that you have built and God never tells you to do it. God never says, go ahead and do this. Or maybe you hear the wrong. I, remember, I heard a testimony. This guy said that God told him to go to Africa or to, and he left everything and went to Africa. And when he got there, his life was a mess. I mean, crazy. And after a few years, he's crying to the Lord, Lord, why do you, you send me here if this is the way it's going to be? He says, I never told you to go to Africa. I told you to support the people in Africa. <laughs> I never told you to go there. So sometimes we don't listen right. So we have to be attuned with the Holy Spirit so that you can listen to the Lord and do what he says, not what you want. So here in verse 5, God came down. He says, I, I, I have to see this craziness. I have to see this building. This is, this is a, religion, a religion built by men, a structure of men building, uh, somehow trying to build something that they can go to God. You, a human being, cannot go to God. God has to come to you. God has to come to us. Otherwise, you'll never make it. 
And in verse 7, he says, Come, let us go down and confuse the language so they, so they will not understand each other. Brothers and sisters, that is the craziest thing that is going on in this world. You see the confusion? You say white, I say black. You say red, and I say blue. I mean, you're Republican, I'm a Democrat, I don't talk to each other. I mean, it is such a crazy division around the world with everything, division in the church. When it's never should be any division in the church because this is the Word of God, and the Word of God will not, it's, it's, it's yes and no, that's it. It's, don't change it, don't do anything, don't try to fit your lifestyle because what it says is what it says. Jesus, amen? So don't build anything without God, without including God in your life, anything. If you're going to study something, especially the youth who's, who's going to college, and ask the Lord, Lord, which college you want me to go? Lord, I need you to teach me because I'm going to study this, and I can't understand it, or I'm tired, whatever it is. But you ha we have to, we must include the Lord in everything you do everything because if you don't you will fall in your face and you have a lot of issues in your life <laughs> the lord jesus said that the bible says in in, in, uh, in psalm 127 that if somebody wants to build a house or build a city and god is and god is not in it you 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 labor in vain you're actually working for nothing. Even, even the guy who watched, a watchman, if he's, if he's going to stand overnight with a big machine gun and without God, he thinks he's going to protect that city, believe me, he would be nothing because if God doesn't protect it, forget it. So I just, I just need to, to let you know that if God is not in your life and everything, you will mess up. You will be confused because without him, you can't do nothing. Anything that we do without God will be no different than the people of the world. If you do anything without the Lord, you're no different than people of the world. In Genesis, I'm sorry, in Exodus 33, Moses says to the Lord, Lord, Please, don't send us if you don't go with us. Please, don't send us. If you don't go with us, what would be the difference between us and the people of the world? If your presence is not in me, what would be the difference? Believe me, if, not, if it was not because the Lord's presence in your life, your behavior, or whatever you do, it would be no different than somebody who has no clue about who God is. So the reason that we have to constantly ask in the Lord, even before you, leave, you, you walk out of your house, you have to ask the Lord, Lord Jesus, be, let me follow you. You be in front of me. You be present. You go with me. Help me in this situation. Help me in everything I do. Let me represent you today. So that's what Moses says. If your presence does not go with us, do not send us from here. How would anyone know that you are pleased with me 
and with your people unless you go with us? Well, those will distinguish me and your people from all the other people of the face of the earth if you don't go with me. Nothing will distinguish us if God is not with us. Nothing. So, we understand, I mean, I know, you know, sometimes I, I always, every time Pastor, Aunt, Pastor Sam asks me to preach, I'm like thinking, what am I going to say? I, I, I mean, it's people here who knows 10 times, 20 times more than I do. I don't know. What, I, I mean, sometimes it's like, oh, Lord Jesus, help me. What am I going to say? <laughs> but we know that the, the, the word Babel in, in Genesis 11, that is, the word means confusion. It is confusion. But God is not the author of confusion. God is not the author. We know that the enemy is the author of confusion. But you know what? God always have a plan. God is always good, man. Always good. And that confusion stood or, or was there for many, many years or for a long time. And, but the Lord reversed that curse in Acts chapter 2. He reversed that curse. Remember? And the day of Pentecost, he says, Utterly amazed, they ask, Aren't these who are speaking Galileans? Galilean, Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in a native language? God turned that curse or turn that confusion, and now with the Holy Spirit, we all understand one another. Even the Spanish come to worship in the English service, but the Holy Spirit can teach me or show me that we are in the same spirit. We can worship together. It is no different. Maybe the language is different, but we in the spirit, we connect it. We go to many countries, have been to many countries, and we go to those countries and we meet believers. We don't speak the language. We don't understand the language, but in the spirit, we connect it. It's almost like we understand one another. And that's what he's talking about over here. You're going to have the same spirit, and you're going to be able to understand one another. So why, why would you think that Satan, the enemy, is so determined to bring confusion and division and the church as well as in the families. Why do you think Satan is so determined to bring confusion in the church and in the families? Because he knows that only Christians are the true peacekeeper of the world. He knows that only us, Christians, are the only true peacemaker of the world. Without Christians in the world, forget it. Forget it. So we got to say thank you, Lord, that because of us, this world is still here. Because of the Christians and our prayers, the world still have a little bit of peace in the world. But it's because of the Christians. Now, in the time of Noah, and I need to go quickly move this one. In the time of Noah, God looked at the whole earth and saw how corrupt it was and how 
great main weakness, weakness, wickedness was on the earth. We know what happened, right? The whole, according to the Bible, the whole earth was covered, and anything that would have breathed in the nostrils perish. And from time to time, God is look at different part of the earth after that, different parts. God would look at a, a, a city, and he saw how corrupt it was, so something would happen there. So we, see, we, we looked at it in Genesis 11. We know what happened there because how corrupt the men have come. They were building themselves. They were building. They wanted to be like God. We know what happened to Satan. Anybody who wants to be like God, you know what happened. You'll be kicked out. <laughs> so... <laughs> So we saw that in Genesis 11. We see also in Genesis 18 where these cities were so corrupt that God himself looked, looked into the city. In fact, it says that he came down. And he was like, sometimes that, uh, for me it's a little bit way of my understanding because God sees everything. He knows everything. But it says there that God says, you know what? I'm going to go down personally myself. <laughs> I just had to go down because if what I'm hearing is true, this is crazy. So he, he came, the Bible says that he came down to see with his own eyes. He can see everything from there, no? I think he does. But somehow in the Bible says that he came down to look at it. Because he says, I, I just can't believe it. <laughs> Jesus. Don't you feel like that sometimes with some of your kids? I just got to go and see. I just can't believe you did that. I cannot believe that you did such a crazy things. So here, God himself come down and looked, and he destroyed that city. But I believe, brothers, maybe I'm wrong. I believe that God now is looking at the whole earth. He's not looking Vegas, New York, San Francisco, or any place in, 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 in Europe. I believe that the whole earth is being corrupt right now. And God is looking at the whole earth. And that's the reason he's telling you today, make sure that the condition of your heart. Because the time is very, very, very near. Very close. And he's telling his people, get ready. Get ready. He's looking into the whole earth and how corrupt his, the people have become. So, he wants you to, or God is saying to you and to me, look into your heart. Get ready, for the time is near. Let's, let's, let's go quickly to Peter 3, chapter 3. And I, I probably get done after this. Sorry, the, the time didn't allow us. Some, uh, sometimes people feel like they want to go to to lunch <laughs> what is it brother george what is it five b's be brief brother be brief right be brief brother be brief keep preaching <laughs> thank you jesus all right second peter chapter three we're going to see here that something is going to happen soon second peter where am i okay Chapter 3, from 3 through 14. And it says, first of all, 
you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming? Where is this coming? He promised. Ever since our father died, everything goes, goes on the same way, basically. It's called the same way since the beginning of creation. Everything is just, everything is the same thing since thousands of years ago. Everybody keeps saying, he's coming, he's coming. Where is this coming? He's not coming. Are you crazy? That's not true. It says, but they deliberately forget that long ago by God's word, the heaven exists and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the world of that time was diluted and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not forget this one thing, dear, brother, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people are you to be? You are to live a holy and godly life. If you really believe that, if you believe the word of God, and we believe that that's going to happen, what kind of people you are to be? Are you holding, remember when I said, you know, we're going up the mountain, we're really going up, we're really going forward. But if you carry too many things, you're not going to be able to make it. If you carry unforgiveness, or you carrying anything that the Holy Spirit is showing you, or have things and you have, or doing things, or lifestyle, anything that you do, the Holy Spirit is saying to you, drop it. Drop it because you will make this trip if, if this is, what kind of people you are to live, be? You are to be a holy people. Amen? So this is, this is, not, a, this is not a warning. This is not a uh, chastising the word. It's really a father saying to his children, get ready. Have everything ready. Didn't, didn't he tell that to the, to the Israelites when they were coming out of Egypt? Didn't he went over there and basically showing all kinds of things that there was him, that, that was asking him to do all this stuff that happened there. It was him to show the Egyptians and the Israelites, this is me, this is not Moses. This is not Pastor Tom or Pastor Willie telling you this. This is God himself saying, get ready. Get ready. So I, I, I kind of want to finish with this. <laughs> we missed a lot of stuff, Miss Ari, but we're going we're gonna to go, we're going to finish with this. <laughs> God is demanding that each person examine his spiritual condition. So God is demanding us today that each, each person here will examine yourself, your spiritual condition. How, let me tell you, how do you know? How you respond to the Word of God is the condition of your heart, if you didn't know it. How you respond to this word is the condition of your heart. 
if the Bible says, I never really preach on tithing or money. I, I, I really don't. But if, you, if your heart is not right by giving a tithe, or you, you, you feel like you don't have to tithe, your heart is not right. Money is your God. Really, that's what it is. Money is your God. So you got to check your heart. The condition of your heart, once again, you can tell the condition of your heart by the way you react to the word of God, if you obey or you don't. Who, what is a hypocrite? A hypocrite is a person that dresses himself in a religious behavior to call attention to himself or to be approved or admired by others. And there's a lot of people today, and I'm saying that this is here. It's God saying, get your heart right. It's too many people dressing up in a religious behavior so that they can be admired by other people or that they can make believe that they are Christians. So a lot of, lot of religious behavior just to call attention to themselves. So we must be very careful that we don't fall into this trap. What it says in Matthew 23, which is, I know that is kind of hard scripture there, but Jesus himself calls some of these people hypocrites. And he was very firm about it. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying this to you. I, I truly feel from the beginning that this is a church that is a family. This is a church that I truly believe that you can trust the leadership of this church. In this case, it is Pastor Tom as a senior pastor of this church. I submit to Pastor Tom. I truly believe that his heart is right and that he wants you to walk in the right direction. This, this is not about because I'm, I'm demanding and no. So I, on the past time, try as hard as I can to walk in that, in that direction, to walk in obedience, to make sure there is nothing in my heart. You know why? Because today could be your last day. This is the day that could be your last day on this world. And that's why God is saying, your heart has got to be right. Because today could be your last day. So here, he, Jesus letting have it to these people. He says in verse, uh, chap, Matthew 23, verse 24 to 28, it says, You blind guys, you strain out a nut, not a nut, <laughs> but swallow a camel. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful in the outside, but in the inside are full of dead bones, full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. And the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and weaknesses. God is done with that. God is done with people appearing to be believers, appearing to be Christians, and dressing themselves up in religion, but inside, they are corrupt. God is done. Uh, the message today is 
check your heart. Make sure you, this, is, this, is, this come, yes, uh, from the pastors and Pastor Tom and myself here and, and Pastor Terry, and, and we're trying to live that life, but it comes from the Father. It comes from a Father who says, you are my son and my daughter. I want you to be right. I want that one day when I go to heaven, when I look back, I want to see all my children behind me. That's not, that's not what we're looking for. That's what we're looking for. That when we look back, I can see all my children behind me. And he says, Woof, they made it. They made it. I saw, I saw the other day these ducks crossing College Row. And here comes the big guy in front. And he's quacking. And, <laughs> and then he sees like, like six or seven little ones in the middle and the mother behind. And I, I assume that when they grow on the other side, we made it. We made it. They're all here. That's, 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 that's the heart of the pastors. That's the heart of a father who really want to look back and says, we're all here. Many times when we go to mission, Pastor Tom always says, count your chickens. <laughs> count your chickens, and we're all on the bus. No matter, we count to 10 times. But every time we go on the bus, count everybody. All the heads are here, and everybody is there and says, we're all here. Amen? And that's what God wants. Let's stand. Thank you, Jesus.